Tech Fan Podcast number 367, take two, David. <laughs> Mine is technical glitch to start. Yeah, that was my glitch. I'm, I'm the glitch prone one this morning, I guess. So it's, um, how you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. Yeah? My uh, wife and daughter are away this week. They've been in Israel since Monday. So it's just me and Alexander at home. That's fun. Um, so, yeah, we've been doing some things. We went out to eat a couple of times. Went to see uh, grandmother last night. And um, we we had a, a slightly frustrating experience because he wanted to play Team Fortress 2 with me. Uh, and we have two Xboxes in the house. One is the one that's permanently on the the living room TV and the other one is the one I used to use for travel but I've stopped traveling so much now oh all right so it's kind of in a, in a bag upstairs so I, fit, I said oh we'll, we'll get the one out I'll hook it up to the TV in the in the bedroom and then we can do system link inside the house bad idea because <laughs> we just couldn't get it working we have no idea what with the both both the Xboxes have wireless in the the Alexander's one is the original one, so it has a wireless adapter on it. Mine is one of the new ones, has it built in. Uh, we had two copies of the same game, of the orange box, but it just refused to connect. And I don't know why. Yeah. And eventually I said, you know what? We have loads of computers in the house. You can download Team Fortress 2 for free off Steam. So let's just do that instead. Because <laughs> I know that'll work. So you still played, but... Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I was playing games uh, last night. He wanted to play again this morning with Cole. Uh, and we started talking about this right before we started recording, uh, but I thought, you know, let's just save it for the show. Uh, occasionally we talk about gaming stuff, occasionally we talk about classic arcading stuff. You know, I'm kind of into the whole classic arcade thing, and I've built my own Raspberry Pis, and it's fun and all, but sometimes you just want something you just plug in and play, and you don't have to configure anything. Because yep. here's here's my problem, David. I'm a tinkerer. I can't help it. So I'll build my own thing, and then I will screw around with it, trying to make it how I really, really want it, and I'll just screw something up, and now something won't work, and then I get frustrated, and I won't go back to it, and it'll just sit there and collect dust. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But occasionally, I just I just want to turn something on and play it. That's why I have the full-size arcade, but it's got 60 games, and you know i got to stand there, and sometimes I just want to sit in my chair and play a game. So... I bought something on eBay last week, came this week, that I've been meaning to buy for a very long time, but they're always kind of expensive, like you mentioned. Uh, it's a Pandora's Box uh, arcade console, and it's basically a, a PCB board inside of, if you think, it, it, for those listening, if you think of a full-size arcade, the control panel that has the joysticks on it and the buttons and all that, it's basically just that, right? Right. Uh, it's about a foot and a half, maybe two feet long. Uh, it's got, you know, all the connections on the back. Uh, in fact, here, uh, I'll look. It's got uh, AC power. Uh, it's also got a 12-volt, 5-amp plug, which I don't know what that's for. I guess if you actually put it in a cabinet, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's got a built-in speaker. It's got uh, HDMI and VGA ports. It's got an audio out port. It's got a volume control because it's got its own built-in speaker. Uh, it's a, uh, CFG, which brings in kind of the setup menu. It's got two USB ports and then an on off switch. Um, and it's a two player. So that's what it is. And it, you just plug it in. Uh, I plugged it, you know, I got the power cable running to a, an outlet 
And I've got the HDMI going into my TV. And it just works. You fire it up, and it plays a stupid intro, which I wish there was a way I can skip past it. I've pushed every button, and you can't skip it. I hate that. And it's some crappy song, and you can tell it's a really low-quality version of that song. And, and, And they show scenes from the different games. It really focuses their marketing on this thing. And, by the way, totally illegal. They don't have permission to put any of these ROMs and stuff on there. Um, They focus more on the fighting stuff. I think that's probably the big audience for this. But it's got a ton of classic games on there, too. Miss Pac-Man, Frogger, Mr. Do, all that kind of stuff is on there as well. So can you tell what system it's running? Is it is it running MAME? Is it running something else? Is it? I can't tell. You can't tell. No. I could tell that the Burger Time version, you know I'm a Burger Time guy. Yeah. Uh, that version on here is better than the one I have on my 60 and one, but I can't really play it on here because this is an eight way joystick and you can't play games like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong and Burger Time with an eight way joystick because it, you know, it gets oh, confused. Right. Yeah. You- is, is it, is it possible to, you can't, you put a little hat or something on the stick to turn it into a full way? Not on this one that I don't think so. No, but no. it doesn't matter. I, I've got those on the stand up arcade. So yeah. Um, but this is great for stuff like 1941, where you need the eight-way joystick and the shooting games and the fighting stuff. So Cole gets home from school, and this big giant box is sitting here on my desk, uh, well, on my chair. And then um, he goes to Cub Scouts with Julie. I get home from work while they're gone. So I open this thing up. I know what it is. So I yeah. ordered it. It's, it's on, uh, let's see, who is the seller here? Uh, Angel Angel Store on uh, eBay. They've got a 98.1 positive feedback rating. They're based in California. So I ordered this thing, and it came pretty quick, to be honest. It's, it, within five days, it was here. It was $70.95, which, that's that's really a good price, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean... You pay more to Nintendo or Sony for a classic PlayStation or, or SNES yeah, um, game exactly, and this thing's yeah. it, it's it's an all-in-one thing. It's got a little bit of weight to it, but it's not too heavy. It's and it doesn't feel cheap. The joysticks feel really good, to be honest. Well, that, that's what I'm interested in because obviously you know what the real arcade stuff feels like. So you you're worried with all of anything like this is that the games would be good, but the hardware would be rubbish. Right. Well, I, I'm happy to say uh, the hardware is really good. I'm I'm kind of surprised. Usually, when I buy something like this. My first thought is I'm going to buy it, but I'm going to change out the joysticks eventually. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm going to need to do that with this. So quite honestly, um, it's exactly what I was looking for. But there was kind of a small issue, and mm-hmm. I'm still waiting to hear back from the seller. And that is the listing, and I actually sent you the listing. You can see it. Yeah. Clearly, I bought the Pandora's Box 5S Multiplayer Arcade Games Council 801 PCB KOF Street Fighter. They just put those things at the end. To, yeah. You know, uh, they sent me the Pandora's box 4s and the hardware itself looks similar, but it is different. So I emailed them and I said, uh, you know, you sent me the wrong item here and they wanted me to take pictures and through eBay and send it to them. And they said, don't worry, we'll get this taken care of. Now, I told Cole, I said, this is not the one that I ordered, but I, I don't really mind, to be honest, because 
it seems to be a really good system. I really, yeah, really like you, it. You're going to be kind of bummed if the uh, 5S comes and you don't like the uh, you don't like the joysticks like you did in the 4S one, or the software is not as good yeah. or something. But this is a really solidly built box. Now I keep it. <laughs> here's the thing: I've got it like in my lap to mm. play it. That's kind of big for your lap, but that's okay. I can deal with it. But last night, so Cole comes in. And I've got this thing unlo- uh, unwrapped and unboxed and plugged in. And it's running on the TV next to my computer. And he sees it. And he's like, oh, I want to be the first to play it. I said, okay. But, of course, I've already played it. So he's not the first to play it. Yeah. And uh, he finds this. And it's like a side-scrolling Dungeons & Dragons type game. Uh, it's two-player. And it's kind of RPG-ish, if you will. And he had so much fun playing that with me last night. We played it for about an hour. He wanted to continue playing it, but I'm like, no, it's you got to stop playing now and you got to go read. He has to read for a minimum of uh, 20 minutes, but it's usually a half hour every night. Yeah. Um, I said, no, we're done. You got to go read. He was not happy, but you know, rules are rules. You got to stick to them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm he he yeah he had a great time playing this game with me. I'm waiting to see what the seller's going to do. And I told him, I said, this isn't the one I actually ordered. And I showed him the one I ordered. And he says, well, can we just keep this one? Because this is cool, Dan. I said, well, maybe we'll see. But, you know, I, I ordered the newer version and I'd really like to get what I paid for. And his eyes got this kind of a mysterious glint to it. Yeah. And he looks at this thing and he looks at me and he goes, so. What what if they just send you the other one, but you don't yeah, have to exactly, send this back? Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> I yeah, like, then okay. maybe you could have it in my room. Well, Dad. that's exactly it. I said, well, I'll tell you what, Cole, if that happens, I don't want you to get your hopes up. If it happens, I'll get you a little TV and we can put this in your room. Yeah. And he says, oh, I hope it happens. It hope, it hope, I hope. I hate, I hate to break it to him, but I, I don't know. No. Why would they let someone keep a $70 item and send you yet another one? Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 if the, if their whole thing is, we'll ship that back to us and we'll ship you the new one. I'll say, well, I'll tell you what, refund half my money and I'll just keep this one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause honestly for the 70 bucks, I don't want to have to rebox this thing up and go to the UPS or FedEx place and, Wait in yeah. line, and I don't want to do any of that crap. That doesn't sound like fun. And I'm and I'm actually impressed with this. So, there you go. Very good. You said to remind you about the rules. Yeah. Well, so uh, iOS 12 came out. Yeah. And uh, so I've updated all the devices. And Alexander smelled a rat because he's, he, as I said, he's been here on his own with me this week. And we've had the usual dance about me making sure he gets up for school in a timely manner and um, does his homework when he comes home and, and you know, then doesn't stay out too late watching TV or doing other things. And, and we are having this ongoing battle with him with the amount of time he's spending on Fortnite. Um, and, um, yeah, so iOS 12 came out. So I quietly upgraded all the devices to iOS 12. And all of a sudden, his phone and his iPad is not locked in the, uh, in the safe anymore. <laughs> That's what we've been doing. He go, and, and he goes, what, what, why have you left my, my tech out? I said, oh, you can take it, put it in your room. So he immediately picked it up. Like, what have you done to it? You know, right. sure enough. Yeah, they've, they've really, I've been using it in the beta and it was a little bit iffy, but they've really got the, um, the, the, family screen time thing down now and it's just it's it's brilliant it's brilliant for that problem in that i can put 
Um, uh, basically, uh, the phone is his, his phone, his iPad now are locked out during the week um, until after dinner, uh, and then he so it, the, from about five thirty through till nine o'clock at night they'll work. Um, but even within that, then he can only play a maximum of an hour of Fortnite. Um, and that means I can make sure he gets his schoolwork done and he's not spending too much time on the game. I told uh, Cole. That, that, yeah, that works across both his devices, so it's not like per device. So if he's done right. 50 minutes on his phone, he picks up his iPad, he's only going to have 10 minutes left. Mm-hmm. But any time I need to relax those rules, he just sends me a pro. It says, do you want to ask for more time? And he clicks I, He clicks that, that comes up on my device, and I can give him 15 minutes or an hour or whatever I want. So it Brilliant. means like, you know, and yeah, that's exactly what I need, because that way... I don't need to kind of do admin tasks on his phone just to give him more time. Just what I need. Wow, that sounds like a really good solution. Maybe Apple's been yeah. listening to the show. Yeah, maybe. I do know that some people from Apple does listen to the show from the download logs. But yeah. um, I had a discussion, let's put it that way, with Cole a couple nights ago. I think it was Sunday night. And uh, he had been playing on and off throughout the day. Yeah. And he was playing. He, he voice chats with people on the switch when he's playing it. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same game of that Fortnite. Yeah. It's the big thing right now. Yeah. And that's why I, one of the reasons Alexon loves playing it is because he's playing with his friends online and he's right. talking to them as he's playing. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the thing. That's cool. I get it. Yeah. But Cole gets a little emotional sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 10. Yeah. And his voice starts raising and I tell him to, Keep it down. He's, I'm not yelling, Dad. No, but you're not using an inside voice either. Yeah. And so he started getting a little carried away with it, and I made him stop because he was saying rude things. He wasn't cursing or anything like that, but he was yeah. being rude. He's being a sore he loser. Was, he was, yeah, he was insulting people. Yeah. Yeah. Or And he was whining big time, so I made him stop. Mm-hmm. And, of course, at that age, making him stop. And, and you could relate. Yeah. It's a big thing. And he says, no, I don't have anything to do. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I get that. I get that all the time. My nine-year-old Charlotte, she'll go, she, you, you know, you should, you should go out somewhere and she'll have forgotten to bring anything like a book or anything with her. Yeah. And so she'll say, can I play on your phone? And you go, no. And she goes, well, what am I going to do now? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if, Cole, uh, it's, if we're going somewhere that's any kind of a distance, even just to my... Yeah dad's house which is you know 12 to 15 minutes away if i hit all the red lights yeah. oh it's the end of the world i don't have anything to do <laughs> it's it's like ugh, come on man yeah uh i get it I, we would have been the same way at that age if we would have oh, had yeah. these kind of things but it, it's it, so he says that to me thanks yeah, dad i don't i don't have anything to do we really didn't have anything to do <laughs> we did then. no <laughs> to begin with yeah. And I said, so I can throw away all those toys finally then? Yeah. He just glared yeah. at me. Yeah. That's not, that was not the response he was looking for. Speaking of things you're not supposed to do, Elon Musk is in some trouble now. Ooh. You know what? I, I, you Sometimes you wonder if you're, if you're slowly looking like a guy buckling under pressure in public. The way he's behaving, has, he has been, he's always been a bit of a loose cannon, but he has been extremely erratic. I don't know um, what is going on with him lately. He yeah. is like, you know, he. I think some of this has gone to his head because people are like, he's a real life Tony Stark. Um, <laughs> it, you know, minus the super yeah. 
suit and all that. Superhero suit, yeah. Um, But he did something pretty dumb a little over a month ago where he tweeted out thinking about taking Tesla private. And then he said, funding secured. Hmm. Well, the problem with that is, A, you you can't do that. It's against securities. It's securities fraud, basically. Because if you're an investor in Facebook or in Facebook, in, uh, in Tesla, and you see that, your natural re- reaction is going to be sell, sell, sell. Sell my stock right or, now. Or, or, or buy more. Buy. Yeah. yeah. One of the two. The point is you're influencing the market's behavior. But from what's come out since then, it looks like it, the, he had no funding <laughs> secured. Uh, he basically it's, it's a spoke confusing. to a guy. Yeah. He spoke to a guy, and the guy said, yeah, maybe. And and as far as he's concerned, a man's word is his bond. Well, yeah, well, it's it's almost like he had a drunken tweet or something. Yeah, I mean, it, stupid. Yeah, it is. I know. Yeah. I know. By following peripherally, if if nothing else, the rise of Elon Musk, and this is the guy who made his you know big money by selling eBay or uh, um, PayPal. PayPal. And so you know he, he's he's a smart guy, no question about it. Nobody could create PayPal and Tesla and SpaceX and unless you're a pretty smart guy. But he hates the stock market. He hates publicly traded companies. He doesn't want to answer to anybody. And he hates more than anything else those who short companies. He thinks that's just wrong, betting that a company is going to fail. Why would you invest in a company in the hopes that it's going to fail? I get it, yeah. but... That is the reality of the stock market. That's just how it is. Whether he likes it or not, you know, tough luck. It's, it's yeah. It, that's how it is. And so I know that he's been wanting to take Tesla back private. Um, it would be the end of Tesla, as I think we all know, because he needs investor money. Because Tesla's never made any money. In fact, it's lost billions of dollars. It's not a profitable company. They were hoping to get to profitability with the, uh, the the new vehicle they got coming out, but it doesn't look like it's happening anytime soon. They've been plagued with delays and quality issues, and and twisters. Uh, Tesla's always been that. Yep, that's that's yeah, Tesla. Yeah, yeah. I, it's very complex running a car company. I mean, and it doesn't even have a hundred percent of their CEO's attention because he does all yeah. these other things. So. I think he's under tremendous amount of stress and strain, and I get it. But someone needs to turn off his Twitter account. Um, and I think you're right. You know, this this last month, he he's smoking pot with Joe Rogan on Joe Rogan's podcast. Which look, okay, pot's not illegal in California. That's fine. But you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, and you're doing drugs. Not very smart. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be yeah, smarter yeah, than well, that. The smart thing is do whatever drugs you want. Just do it in private. <laughs> you know. Well, there's that too, but yeah. and and then some of the stuff he's been saying lately, it's just like I feel like I'm watching a very slow motion train wreck, and I just hope the guy has someone. He's look, this guy's brilliant, man. He is brilliant. Yeah. I don't know if he's a genius, but he's brilliant, no question. And I like to think that. His ultimate goal with these companies are to make the world a better place. I really do believe that. I think that is his core uh, foundation for doing the things he does. 
and I commend him for that. Unlike someone, say, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't think Facebook's ultimate goal is to make the world a better place. Maybe at one time it was a fanciful, you know, slideshow that that's what they were doing. But, you know, that's not what it was created to do. Um, I wish he would get or I hope he he would get his shit together. Let me put it that way, because I think the world needs more Elon Musk's in it. Minus the erratic behavior of the last year. Yeah, there's also the thing with the, uh, you know, when he accused a guy, a British guy who was helping rescue those kids in the cave in Thailand of being a pedophile um, and uh, had apologized. And then later on, just recently, he doubled down and he said, well, the guy's not sued me. So uh, obviously I was right. So the guy sued (laughs) him. So the guy's now sued him. Yeah, stupid. So uh, why? Why would you do that? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to see a, a, a repeat of a Steve Jobs where he's at the height and then he gets fired from Apple and he basically has to reinvent himself and then comes back even stronger than ever and makes Apple the most profitable company in the history of the planet. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I long term that would be good, but I guess, but you yeah, know, apparently this um, this. Uh, SEC thing, he could get he could get forced to leave the company as a result of this. And I'm also reading here that um, they were very close to a reaching a settlement, and yeah. then he pulled out of it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't get up. it. Yeah, money doesn't make you have good decisions. No. Quite often, it's the opposite. Um, but I don't think he's motivated by greed. I, I really no, I don't, don't think so. But I think he's I think he's very very stubborn. I think that's probably one of the reasons he's successful is that when he really believes in something, he sticks to it. But I think stubbornness, if you've made a mistake, um, is a, is a real problem because then you can, you you refuse to admit you've made a mistake and the consequences are often worse than the climb down that, that would, yeah, I think he's, he's just a bit more honest with yourself. He's not the only one that has those type. Now, some people may say, well, Steve Jobs was like that. And I disagree. Steve Jobs often said he made a mistake when he did something or a product that wasn't working. He was the first to cancel a project or a product that wasn't working, that it was a mistake. We're going to move on from it. Um, Now, he was very stubborn when it came to his opinions on what the product should be, you know, that's where I think Steve Jobs' brilliant was brilliance yeah. was because he had great taste. And that's what we're missing. And I've discussed this before with you. That's what makes Apple Apple, or at least under Steve Jobs. He had great taste. And that's very, very – well, let me say I think it's a rare commodity in the tech world, good taste. There's a big difference between something that functions great, um, that's really – fun to use like this Pandora's box here, even though it's totally illegal. Um, and someone that has great taste, the iMac, uh, the Apple two, the iPod, the iMac, the iPhone. These were all products designed with someone who had really good taste. Now it wasn't created in a vacuum and Steve jobs didn't do it himself, but he guided these products. He was there at the inception of them. Maybe not so much the iMac. Um, and I think his taste permeates through those products, and to a lesser degree, it still does in the company. I don't know yep. if if you can be stubborn. I don't think this a stubbornness goes well with having good taste. 
And I think that's probably Elon Musk's problem. He's got to get past his ego. We need we need him. We need people like him. Yeah. We need technologists that are going to help change the world. Somebody's going by with a very loud car stereo right now. I don't know if you can hear it. No. Um, it's really well. There it goes. He's leaving now. It was vibrating the windows. Um, we need people like him in his position to really help make the world a better place. Maybe more so now than ever when there's so many problems and so many egos and, you know, so many people hell bent on saying it has to be this way and we're not going to work with others. You know, what? we 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 got to stop doing stuff like that. We do have to come together, not just within a nation, but within the world. And yeah. people like Elon Musk can go a long way to making that more of a reality. Yeah, they just got to get past themselves yeah speaking of uh getting past japan went past the earth's atmosphere and landed a what basically a rover wasn't it yeah it's basically like two. they sent a they sent two drones to an asteroid and they landed it and it's taking pictures and video and that's amazing i, I like i liked how they um they put the video of twitter and they said you know, you ever wonder what it would be like to walk on an asteroid? Watch this video. Yeah. Um, we, and, and that's kind of what it is. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a little bit, it's, the res is good, but it's look, the low frame rate, but, hell, you know, it's millions of miles away and yeah. on, on a foreign body. Um, these, uh, these rovers are quite interesting because they can move around, but the way they move around is they like pogo stick around because the gravity on the asteroid is so low. Yeah that the idea is they just kind of bounce and hop and then get slowly get deposited somewhere else by the very weak gravity. Um, so uh, it, it, we, we, it's, nowadays it's very easy to make light of something like that. Go, oh, well, you know, it's just a, it's just a robot on an asteroid. <laughs> to, to achieve that is incredibly difficult. Just, yeah. just the fact that they could find an asteroid and launch yeah. an object from the Earth to that asteroid and get it even in the same vicinity, let alone make a, a spaceship or spacecraft that can orbit it and deposit a load to yeah. it. We it's, have been you know, the, the problem is is we watch so much science fiction, and, mm-hmm. um, so much TV. I, I read a very interesting article a few weeks ago about the kind of a lot of the myths that TV and movies have kind of created in our head. Because we just see these things all the time, you know, and and you you recognise most of the idea that whenever a car crashes uh, within ten se- ten seconds, it will explode in a fireball. Yeah, whenever um, whenever you want to shoot somebody in a public place, you can put a a, a magic thing on onto a, a, a pistol that basically makes it virtually silent. Right. These things are none of these things are real. No. Yeah. They, they, these, many of these things, as with many things in, in movies and TV and fiction and everything, they exist, but they don't work as the way they're portrayed in the movie. For instance, you see these defibrillators everywhere. Right. Yeah, everyone thinks, oh, if your heart stops, they'll shock you and start it again. Defibrillators don't do that. If your heart stops, you're basically dead. Yes. <laughs> if your heart literally stops beating, you're just relying on somebody to keep pushing your chest to move blood around, and hopefully, when you get to hospital or something, they can give you a drug that stimulates your heart to stop again. But electricity will not do that. No, electricity, so, a defibrillator will just um, basically 
correct an erratic heart behavior. Exactly. If your heart muscle is not contracting properly, it will correct that. But, mm-hmm. but uh, when, whenever you see the movie with a flat line and then they shock yeah, the, do uh, the guy and his, and his heart starts beating again, that is completely fake. That does not happen. Right. So the thing, going back to the robots, we all think that if you go up into space, yeah, you have some kind of magic radar, maybe with a fancy heads-up display, and it will show you where your asteroid is by putting a little green box around it with the name next to it. Yeah. yeah? And, and that's fa- effectively magic, because yes. the only way you can image an asteroid is by catching it reflecting sunlight. And these things are tiny, and they're moving very fast, and you don't know where they are. Yep. And then to go there, you don't just point at it and hit the engine button. You've got to figure out an orbit. Yeah, and that is sometimes takes years to get there. Yeah, okay, it's the there right now. We've got moving yeah. at you know eight hundred thousand miles per hour, and and I need to be where it's going to be. Right, so you may have to go two backwards. years time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And then, or not then, when you get there, you don't just arrive next to it and hit hit the parking brake. Right, you've got to you've got to orbit around it. So you've actually got to intercept it in such a way that you're not carrying so much energy that you can slow down with enough fuel to actually be circling around it. And that's even before you start thinking about dropping the little robots onto it and actually landing on it. It's, it's it, amazing it's, technology. Yeah. And it's, it, it's a feat of engineering and science yeah. that should be much more applauded than what we're getting. It should be, yeah. it's more important than the one frame per second videos that they're posting on Twitter. It's, it's yeah. amazing. It's just, and, and it's mind blowing. Yeah. To also, to um to use another movie trope if we ever were in the position where we realized we were about to be hit by one of these things mm-hmm. yeah it's what these guys are doing today that will give us any sort of fighting chance yes. to do something about it anybody I mean, who thinks chance- we can launch a missile to blow it up as it approaches earth is you're you have no idea even if you did that all you'd do is you even if you could get the missile to hit it and also hit it in the right place to blow it into pieces all you would be doing is you'd now turned what effectively was a, a cannon shell coming yep, at you a into a shotgun blast yeah. <laughs> but we could probably survive the shotgun blast a lot easier than we can survive well, maybe, the slug maybe not but the the problem is, well, is the yeah, kinetic energy we, of a million little pieces is a lot less than one giant piece. Yeah. But, but regardless, yeah, it, yeah, we don't have the time, ty- the science or technology. I we don't have the time. We don't even see these things. So they come past us. Right. Well, here's the, here's, <laughs> oh. here's the irony for you. Trump comes out a couple months ago and talks about creating a space force and the internet loses its mind and you see all the funny memes and the graphics and oh my God, space force and everyone's making fun of it. And then Neil Tyson comes out and says, actually, I suggested the same thing uh, over a decade ago and it's not a bad idea. In fact, it's probably a good idea. And the first thing they should do is focus on protecting the earth from exterior uh, from asteroids and comets yeah. and something like that. So th- something out there protecting the planet, looking outward. And it should be uh, a space force should be a worldwide global force, not any one nation, national force. It's That's how it yeah. should be. And I totally agree. Something like that. I think space force is a terrible name. It reminds me of the UK Muppet shows or marionette shows. That's what comes to my yeah. mind when I hear space force yeah. um, or some really bad anime show from like the mid eighties. Um, but something like that is totally needed. 
and we're at the point now where we have the technology where we can start exploring these kind of concepts. So don't don't dismiss something just because you politically don't agree with someone or you think someone's an idiot or someone's on the other side of the planet that you don't like. These are the kind of things that should be bigger than any one nation, any one political viewpoint, any one religion, any, you know, this is something yeah. that the whole planet could take advantage of. That's that, those yeah. kind of things should happen. But here's the, you, you were talking about technology and how it's what they show in the movies and TV shows is, is magic. Basically it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't work like that. Well, they don't even do a good job sometimes in movies about the technology that they're showing that they're using it in the most dumbest way. Prime example. You ever watch the show uh, on YouTube, how it should have ended? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. So they did one on star Trek two, the newer star Trek two, mm -hmm. where Scotty invents a uh, trans dimensional or trans, I think yeah. dimensional Tra trans it, it, transporter. Well, yeah. Yeah. Be able to transport, uh, through warp and over in incredible distances. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so they use this, uh, just to basically beam Kirk and Spock, I think, or somebody to where Khan is and they capture him on some Klingon planet and bring yeah. him back. Well, if you have that technology, why do you need spaceships? And that was the point yeah. of this, how it should have ended. Yeah. And that was, that was great. It was, yeah. uh, in the in movie, fact, I mean, well, you don't have to do anything. You capture them and you beam them right into a jail cell. Done. Yeah. Movie's over. I, I, in fact, it's funny you should say that. I, I, in my youth, was, um, as as you know, a very big Star Trek fan. And I had a lot of the kind of the books they did around the next generation. So the Star Trek technical manual and um, all of that sort of thing. They talked about that in there. Uh, and they talked about how the uh, Enterprise D was built. Yep. Yeah, and they talked about where it was built and all of this sort of thing. And I remember reading an interview with one of the guys, one of the technical um, guys on the show who was involved in putting this book together, and they were talking about this thing, and uh, somebody said, oh, I kind of assumed, you know, that they replicated it. Because you remember in The Next Generation, whenever they wanted anything, they basically used a, a reverse transporter, and it, it created whatever you wanted out of energy. And the, the most famous one was Captain Picard wanted his cup of tea, and he would ask for his cup of tea. And it oh, would be, very hot. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the guy... So they said, oh, we kind of presumed that, that, you know, when you build starships, why don't you just replicate the whole thing rather than uh, build it, you know? And then, then it'd be there. And, he, and the guy said, he said, well... He said, I could give you an answer talking about uncertainty principles and the amount of energy required and computing power required. He said, but I've, I've got to be honest with you. If you could replicate a whole starship in one go, you just wouldn't need to. That's true. Patrick's <laughs> saying the same thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. You, it, it, so they, <laughs> if you had the power I, to do that, you just wouldn't need it. <laughs> yeah. If we had replicators, nobody would ever need to work. Yeah. I mean, what would the world be like if we had those Star Trek replicate? There would be no starvation. You can replicate any medicine. Uh, if you lost a limb, you just replicate a new one. Uh, it, it, the, the possibilities are endless. Uh, you break you your know. phone, you replicate suppose, your new phone. Yeah, but yeah, but suppose you know what? If we could actually do that, what would actually happen is people will be replicating pictures of kittens. 
Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> no, they would be replicating kittens, not Kit- pictures yeah. of kittens. Yeah, here's my new kitten. We'd all starve to death because we were just obsessed with replicated kittens. Well, between between a replicator and uh, the hollow deck, I mean, we, we you, just... everyone, everyone thinks, oh, the hollow deck that would be awesome. No, it'd be the worst thing ever in the history of the planet for humanity. Yeah. The species would die off within two generations. We would yeah, just well, be we dead. Wouldn't, we wouldn't bother reproduce because we'd all be stuck in holodeck porn. Oh, yeah. You know, what's your job? <laughs> job? Well, I got a replicator that makes food. I got this holodeck. I can live anywhere I want at any time yeah. I want. I mean, that's, talk about a disruptive technology. No one give Elon Musk uh, a copy of this show. <laughs> <laughs> have you um talking of Elon Musk, have you seen that Twitter account which is um it basically it spoofs Elon Musk's creative ideas by talk uh, it comes up with all these kind of fake ideas he has. No. I'm trying to remember what it's called. I just sent you a message, called, you got that? Yeah. Can- I'm gonna keep talking about that. I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's called it, it might even be called to uh fake uh oh, it's bored Elon Musk. At bored Elon Musk. Uh, and the tagline for this Twitter account is Thoughts and Inventions from Elon in His Downtime. This is a futuristic hyper-parody account. So, <laughs> basically, this is just an endless series of tweets. Uh, mostly, it's ideas that Elon Musk, when he's bored, might be having. And I tell you, it's a, it's a work of comic brilliance. I'm just going to read through a few of these. A version of reality where doing something like this buys you at least 12 months of criticism-free living, and then there's a gif of his of his rockets landing back from space. Yeah. So obviously, bearing in mind, we've just been criticising him, then saying about that. Fitted sheet company that actually that lets you take a photo of your mattress, upload it, and then receive actual fitted sheets that fit your mattress. Um... <laughs> service that takes your unwanted items, slaps a supreme sticker on them, and then sells them on eBay to idiots for a hundred times their value. So this is this is the things that Elon is is bouncing around in his downtime, and uh, yeah, I truly truly love this. It's um, it it really is. The guy behind this um, is is certainly a, a genius of a different level than the real Elon Musk. I like um, the Johnny Ives one too. Yeah, but the Johnny Ice one is very funny because it's very, very sarcastic and yeah. it's very abusive. But this one is is clever because a lot of these ideas you think, hmm, that makes a lot of sense, <laughs> you know. And, and like for instance, a coffee app that connects a blood monitor and mobile and mobile orders for you when your caffeine rate dips below a certain level. That's and, that's kind of brilliant. That's exactly yeah. Kind of like that. Clothing hangers with digital displays that indicate how many days ago you wore the item. Hmm. You know, he could just, he could just, in fact, really what he wants to do, if he can't take the pressure anymore, is he just needs to retire from public life, read this account, and just invent 30% of these things. Yeah, why not? And kind of just push them out of there. He, he really needs to do a kind of a Willy Wonka thing, where nobody ever sees him, but stuff just comes out of his factories. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of, we do want to take a... That was a bad one. Uh, Speaking we, of stuff that just comes out of factories. Yeah. We do want to thank on, our sponsor. Work at it. <laughs> they, they sell stuff that comes out of factories. That's yeah. the... Um, you, I, oh, yeah, funnily enough, you never see Larry, I, except yeah. when you're around. That's right. Are you exactly. Larry? Oh, it's gone. Oh, someone snatched it. So they have their new garage sale up for October. 
And I was on here. I had the page loaded. And I just reloaded, and it's gone. They only had one, so somebody was too quick. They had a 21-inch iMac, um, maybe four or five years old, with a dead Thunderbolt port. And that's it. Everything else was working in r- extremely good condition for three hundred and like seventy bucks. What? I know. I was man, like, oh man. You should have. If you don't need should've... a Thunderbolt port, oh hell. Buy the thing, and then if you need the Thunderbolt port, get it repaired. Yeah, for that normally price. Those, normally, those ports are just a, a soldering thing on the on the board. They're normally it's normally the board itself is not bad. True, that is true. Yeah. So they do have their average or average their uh, annual garage sale or monthly garage sale, however you want to say it, um, running right now. I'll put a link in the show notes at both mymac.com and techfanpodcast.com. You get some really great deals right now. Um, I, when I don't really need anything, I kind of just browse through their garage sale stuff because mm-hmm. you can get some really good deals up here. I mean, extremely good deals. Um, some of it is, you know, uh, returned items, nothing wrong with it. They're not going to sell you something that has something wrong with it. So you don't have to worry about that, but they've got like, for instance, right now an OWC, um, USB-C 10-port dock with an 80-watt power supply and space gray. They've only got 12 left. These are $179. They've got two of them le- or 12 of them left for $94.75. I mean... Yeah, nearly, nearly half off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's crazy some of the prices that you see. And, you know, you kind of wonder, why isn't more people taking advantage of this? Then again... The iMac that I found earlier is gone already, so I'm not the only one who goes to their garage sale stuff and and tries to snag good deals. Um, uh, in fact, m- I've just seen something on here that I need at the half price, which yeah. is a adapter drive that lets you put a two and a half inch SSD drive into a Mac Pro. There you go. Um, I bought I bought one online on Amazon because I'm selling an old Mac Pro at the moment. The guy asked me to upgrade it to SSD, and of course, the one I bought doesn't fit the Mac Pro. Hmm. So, uh, but they they I've had the OWC and the newer tech ones before, uh, and they are perfect. Yeah, they work great. And they have them here at, in the garage sale for only $11.25. So um, I might have to uh, see what the shipping is on that to the UK. In fact, I'm going to be in the States in a couple of weeks, so I can uh, maybe have it shipped to my mum. They've actually got a couple, uh, you know, that new USB-C travel dock that we like so much? Yeah. They've even got some of those on here for like 38 bucks. I mean... That's that's a regular seventy five dollar item. So, if yep. you're looking for tech, if you're looking for oh, they got a go, uh, silver one for forty one seventy five. If you're looking for technology, um, and who is it? We all are. Come on, we're, yeah, we're, we're obsessed with this stuff. I mean, we do a show called Tech Fan for God's sakes. Um, this is a really good way to get some stuff dirt cheap, especially if you're looking at older hardware. They've got a lot of stuff up here that's you know, backwards compatible for many, many years on hardware that you just pick right up. No problem. You know what? That's one of the joys of older hardware is that you can, you can do crazy stuff with it for not very much money. Yep. That Mac pro I was telling you about the guy wants the SSD. He also wanted, um, it's, it's one of the original Mac pros. I think it's the 2007 model. Um, he wanted. He said, "Oh, can you upgrade?" That? I had eight gigs of RAM in it. He said, "Oh, can I put more RAM in it? I really want to turn it into a monster." I got him thirty-two gigabytes of RAM for it. For I think it was about twenty-five dollars. 
That's not bad. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's just insane. But yeah. the thing is that you know, any computer with thirty-two gig of RAM is gonna <clears throat> is gonna work pretty well. They got they they've got two of these left. Um, one is for six hundred and seventy-nine dollars. It's a thirteen-inch MacBook Pro. It's a twenty-twelve model, uh, an i five. A substantial keyware. Well, you can replace the keyboard. Six hundred seventy-nine yeah. bucks. That's a when that was new. That was a twenty-three hundred dollar machine. It's got a Thunderbolt two on it. I mean, that's going to be gone soon. Yeah, it, it's 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 gone. Uh, and they got another one for five seventy-nine. Um, looks like about the same machine. I don't know what the difference is. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, looks like the same machine, but they've got two of these. They're going to be gone by most of the time people listen to this show. So, uh, oh, look, a 20, 2009, 27-inch MacBook Pro, or I'm sorry, iMac. Um, ah, well, this one is like, meh. This would be good for a headless Mac, even though it's a 27-inch, because it's got discolored lines throughout the LCD. Mm-hmm. But the Mac itself is perfect. So it's three forty nine. Just hook up an external monitor to it, and you got a great machine. This is way more powerful. It's a two point six gigahertz quad core i five. I mean, you just plug in an, another monitor to it, and it's basically a Mac Mini at that point, except for a lot more powerful. Yeah. So you can get some really good deals up here, especially if you get creative with some of the stuff that it's like, well, why would anybody want you know that? It's got discolored lines in it. Uh, plug in another monitor, and it's perfect. I mean. Yeah, or or even you know buy it cheap and then think about getting it repaired when you when you feel like it, or repair it yourself. If you certainly if you want to learn how to do something like that, you I mean you, you most of these parts. If you go on places like eBay, you can find the parts for not very much money, uh, and go to the iFixit guide and teach yourself how to repair these things. Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. I love it. Yeah. So I'll put a link into the garage sale. Guys, check this out. If you've got a little bit of money in your PayPal account, because guess what? ODBC takes PayPal. Got a little extra money in your PayPal account? Jump on there. Right now, there's 314 items. I guarantee there's at least one thing in there that you're looking for. And if you follow the link through MyMac.com or TechFanPodcast.com, ODBC sees that and they continue to support the TechFan yeah. Podcast. we got a couple Get, more subjects yeah. to talk about. You know what? Yeah. I just realized... I didn't. Uh, I didn't pull a Wikipedia. Oh dear. Yeah, we could skip it this week. All right. Um, you know, because we talked about this uh, quite a few years ago, and I haven't talked about it much since then. I like SiriusXM. When I was mm-hmm. traveling a lot, when I was working for OWC, uh, I, you know, I was all over the place, and the one constant was SiriusXM. I knew where the stations were. I had favorite stations. I like thirty three, thirty six. I like channel eight. Um, so when I got into my rental car, I'd always program my favorite stations into the Sirius XM, and I was good to go. Well, I got I got so used to it that I eventually got Sirius XM myself, became a subscriber. Uh, in my Honda, I had to have this little external Sirius XM box that I plug into the stereo. But in my Sequoia, when I replaced the uh, stock deck with a Apple CarPlay, I got the Sirius XM built in. Well, it's not built in. It's a box that you plug into it, but you don't see it. It's behind the deck. So the story is um, Sirius XM is actually taking over Pandora. I find this interesting. I knew that they had invested in Pandora, 
Um, but now they're going ahead and, uh, it's an all stock deal. It's valued at $3.5 billion. So basically Sirius XM is going to own Pandora. Now, right. for those who are unfamiliar with Sirius XM, uh, Sirius XM is actually a merger of two different satellite radio companies. Now, Sirius XM got really big before the fast internet phone connections were a thing. So if you wanted to listen to the same music or talk or sports station, well, traditionally on FM, you'd have to find whatever that is and wherever you happen to be driving through. And heaven forbid you're driving through an area that doesn't have any good local radio stations. You had nothing to listen to. Hopefully you brought some CDs or way back in the day cassettes. Well, Sirius XM, well, XM or Sirius at the time, uh, was internet or I'm sorry, satellite radio. So you can just listen to it anywhere. As long as you're getting a satellite signal, which is almost everywhere, uh, you're good to go. Now this was us only because it's satellites and then geosynchronous orbit above the United States. Um, although there's probably something like this in the UK and Europe and we have, we have um, sky. We don't have satellite. No, we don't have satellite radio, but we have a digital radio system here. Yeah. So, um, but actually, funnily mm-hmm. enough, even though it's it's digital, so potentially you should be able to listen to the same channels wherever you go through the network. There's quite a lot of regional variation. So you can be on, you know, a particular radio station in the northwest, but as soon as you drive down towards London, you have to switch to a different um, transmitter to, right. to pick up the same station. Yep. So you don't get the same kind of. You do for the national BBC stations and stuff, but for everything else, you don't really get the same experience you get with Sirius. So we don't really have something directly equivalent here. Well, Sirius, pretty much five years ago, six years ago, when when Pandora and Spotify, um, and even to this day, to a lesser, much lesser extent, Apple Music, uh, became a thing because everyone had very high-speed internet access on their phones pretty much globally, not well, in the Western world, anyways, mm-hmm. why do you need Sirius XM? You just stream it on your phone. Good point. Yep. Now, some people say, well, yeah, but you, data plans cost money. Well, so does a subscription to Sirius XM. Sirius is still somewhat profitable. They're still making money. Uh, I'm still a subscriber, and most new cars still have the 90-day free you know, trial that you can listen to in a brand new car. And if you want to subscribe, you can, and that's their hook. If you get used to listen to it and the subscription runs out, the free subscription, you're going to subscribe. Um, I, I don't know if it's working well for them or not, but they obviously see the writing on the wall, David, and they're buying Pandora. So this gets them satellite radio as well as internet radio. It makes it a much larger company. Yeah. What do you think? Um, well, you know what? It, it, I mean, it's an interesting model. I, I th- still think there is a role for this. I think that while a lot of people like to set up their own playlists from streaming and, and you know, there's no there's no getting away from the fact that nowadays, if you go back to the way we used to do music with a big spinning disc player or flash player with all your music on it and you chose what you want to listen to, that seems like the dark ages compared to streaming. Yeah. Um, you know, and the fact that you can now, you can go online, you can create your own playlist, you can listen to other people's playlists so you're kind of getting curated music by somebody else and obviously all those big streaming services create their own stations and playlists that, that kind of try and appeal to people like that people are very engaged with that and and it's great for the radio for the internet radio stations and the streaming services because they get to see the they get paid for everything that's played right. and also as well they um 
they get to see what's popular and what's not. So it gives them really good statistics. So uh, th- I think there's definitely a role for somebody curating music and then playing it to you. And, the, you know, using the Internet as a medium or data as a medium seems to make a lot more sense in today's world than it ever used to before. I wonder uh, how long it's going to be before Sirius and Pandora just become one company, whether you're getting it through a satellite connection or over the Internet. It's the same content. Well, I, I mean, those... Those, I mean, Sirius launched it own, its own satellites, so those satellites have a finite lifetime. Yes. Uh, I imagine what, what, when, that's, when the satellite partner service is going to go away is as the internet side grows and then as the satellite starts to age and go out of commission, because obviously launching satellites is very expensive. Well, that's, Whereas that distributing price is going stuff well. on the internet is probably less, no. less than it was. Oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a whole lot less. So, I don't know. I think this is... I, I generally am opposed to when one big company and another big company merge but in my mind this actually makes a lot of sense uh, and I think it, it long term it's probably good for consumers because I don't think either one of these things would have survived long term uh, without something like this happening because yeah. Pandora is still not profitable I mean they lost um, 92 million dollars last quarter they had $385 million of revenue. Wow, they're making money, but they lost $92 yeah. million. So it's still costing them more to do it than they are making. That's a problem. No business can survive, except for maybe Tesla, uh, running in negative revenue forever. I mean, eventually people who are investing in this company are going to be just like, you know what? <laughs> we can't do this anymore. Yeah. Um, speaking of can't do it anymore, Telltale Games, man. I'm I'm not happy about this. This is this is really bizarre because when this when this happened, everybody kind of went, "What the hell?" Yeah. So Telltale yeah. Games have been making these um, a, a certain type of video game for a while now. The Walking Dead, uh, Batman. Um, it seems yeah, didn't they like- do a Back to the Future too? Yeah, they did. Uh, they, these these are kind of like interactive adventures. Yes. Um, and they're almost like, uh, they play almost like those, you know, where maybe you should get those books where it said, you know, if you want to do this, go, go to page 24. Right, yeah. If you, if you want adventure. to kill the monster, try and kill the monster, page 24. If yeah. you want to try and run away, page 32. And it was like, they called it Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. And the Telltale games are like that, but very, very high quality, very well written. And very um, well received by both the, yeah. the, the buyer and critics. I mean, yeah. but they're closed. Uh, Telltale yeah. Games made the difficult decision, they said, to uh, begin the majority studio closure uh, following a year marked by insurmountable challenges. Now, they were not uh, immune to criticism. Um, they were apparently were a horrible place to work. That's what the reports have yeah. been saying for a few years now, and yeah. that employees were forced to work 60, 70, 80 hours a week, uh, enormous pressure. Um, the churn rate was phenomenal there. So it doesn't sound like it was a fun place to work at all, even though they were making great games and the revenue model obviously wasn't working for them. Well, by all accounts, the, uh, executives did very well, but you know, they were basically, uh, successful on off the back of the poor schlubs right in the games. And they were, you know, in their, uh, glass offices. Yep. Which we've heard before so it yeah. was it was called they were accused basically of toxic management yeah and the best developers left they were like we're not doing this anymore and i can't say i blame them um 
it, it's still a sad state of affairs that a studio who was making just fantastic content is gone just like that and most people didn't see it coming there's still a fundamental problem in the video game industry at the moment which is this keeps happening game the, the way these companies are being run doesn't make sense if they can be financially successful in terms of the games they sell and yet the studios are always on the brink of closure. Yeah. Because we this happens all the time. And, and very often, a studio will get a game to market that's been highly anticipated, very successful, and then they shut down. And it's basically because they can't afford to pay the bills. That's right. Uh, and, and you have to say it's a crazy, crazy industry where the cost of producing the games is apparently so high, and yet the... the companies making these games can't afford i mean it's unsustainable to have hit after hit after hit and churn the games out at the speed that's needed to be churned out to keep the studios afloat um and and really telltale is probably the worst example of this because they've had so many successful games they They are not you know one of these studios uh that that kind of have one successful franchise and then everything else they do is a failure they they have just basically they they i mean these are the guys behind minecraft story mode which was huge the walking dead you you already mentioned um the batman uh, adventure games they did were massive and these things had built in legs because they would release these stories as um, and in in chapters in in seasons. Yep. So effectively, you know, once you were bought into it, if you bought the first Batman game from them and you were bought into it, you wanted to see where the story goes, so you would buy all the others. Yep. You know, and they could they could do uh, bundles and all this sort of thing. It's just crazy that a company like that can't be managed well enough to be successful. Um, and and really, the studios need to do something about the cost of production of these games. Because because as a, I think as a as a as a whole market, if we're not careful, we're going to end up in another one of these bubble situations where one day the whole thing is going to implode. That's it's my fear. Because it makes so much money, yeah. and yet yet apparently it can't it can't be profitable. It's a sad state of affairs. I feel bad for the people who work for that company, um, but maybe it's for the best because if it's if it was such a toxic work environment, maybe they'll find a job where their skills will be put to better use without the abuse. So that's well, my the, hope. Yeah, the, the risk is that this is endemic across the industry. That's the problem. Yeah. In fact, none of these places are nice to work at. And they're actually working as a games developer. Well, I, 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 there's a, a very good friend of ours who's, whose husband works in one of these, um, uh, works in, vid, in video games, in, in animation. Um, and, you know, to, for reasons of his privacy, I won't say any more than, than that. I won't tell you what he does or where he works, whatever. Um, but I know how hard he works. Uh, and, you know, it's by no, in no respect a nine-to-five job. And when it goes gets close to shipping date, it becomes like a 80-90 hour a week job. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, his quality of life sometimes is absolutely terrible. Yeah, that's what's got to... That's what's going to change. And I think it's these unrealistic, uh, we have to hit this release date type of stuff. Um, Very few companies do it. Let's say uh, Rockstar, for instance. Um, They got their new big game coming out next month, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. The last one came out like six years ago. So they've taken six years, uh, and they didn't announce a release date until they were getting close to the point where they actually could release it. I think that's probably what you should do. But if you're a smaller company 
and you're trying to hit a window, especially if you're using, um, you know, let, let's say Batman, for instance, this is a Batman movie coming out in 2021. So you start right now creating a game based on that movie. Well, you need to release that game when the movie is released. That may not be a realistic schedule to create a really good game. So I, I you know, I think it's a multiple um, headed beast of why these companies fail. Toxic management, marketing, having too much say on uh, production schedules. Um, a lot of them, of course, are working for publishers as well. They're not actually self-publishing, and, right. and that releases a whole other level of overhead. Exactly. Yep. So it's a sad state of affairs. Um, we do want to give uh, a little shout-out to John Nemo, by the way. He sent us some feedback from last week. We asked, what's the, the new features in iOS 12 that you like? And he actually, uh, John Nemo, sent uh, an email in, and he said, the best new features of iOS 12 – Voice memos finally, finally, finally native on the iPad. Uh, speed improvements on older iPad Air. Shared photo stream albums included in normal album view and photos app. So there you go. There's some. Yeah. You know what? I, I got to come back on some of those, though. I, I, I don't know what. I'm not sure what they've done to photos, but I notice <laughs> now that every time I go into photos, it seems to put me in a place where I don't want to be. And I struggle then to find my pictures. Mm, that's um, not good. And I'm not sure whether that's a set. It, and it's always the problem with things. You're never sure whether there's a setting can change or whether it's just like that now. Uh, one thing that's particularly infuriating me, though, is um, FaceTime. There used to be a button at the bottom of FaceTime in the control thing when you were using it that you pressed and it would switch from the front to back camera. Right. Yeah. It is now um, gone behind a, a second menu. So you have to press that second menu. That menu has a big red cancel call button on it. Yeah. And the icon for switching the camera has also changed, so you can't find it. It's really easy, and this happened to me several times now, to actually cut off your FaceTime call when you're just trying to switch cameras. And it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. It is really bad. And you know what? I did a WhatsApp call, video call today, and <coughs> WhatsApp is much better now. <laughs> because there you go. It doesn't have those problems. You know. So, thanks very much to John. Uh, we'd prefer to get feedback from a whole bunch of you. It's real easy to do. Send us an email, the show at techfanpodcast.com. Uh, you can also leave a message at mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com in the show notes. And we will see it, we will respond to it, and we will, if appropriate, read it right here on TechFan. So, uh, I, take it, I take it you've not updated to Mojave. No, and I'm not going to because I didn't even no. update to the one before that. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm in the same boat. I, In fact, I only use my Mac once or twice a week now. I use it so. every day, but it's yeah. not. There's nothing that I'm seeing in the new OS that I'm like, ooh, the dark mode looks kind of cool, but I don't need it. Everything that I'm doing is rock solid. Yeah. Uh, this, except for GarageBand occasionally. But other this than guy, that. This, yeah, this guy sold the Mac Pro to with a 32 gig. He said, oh, well, can you put Mojave on it? I said, no, it won't take Mojave. I said, that it, officially, it could only take Lion, but I could take it up to El Capitan. There's a way of doing that. Yep. And he said, oh, is that going to cause me a problem? I said, not really. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. I said, you'll, you'll actually probably be better off. Yep. You know. So we look forward to getting some feedback from you guys, and David and I will be back in a week. See you then. See you then. <laughs>